paisanos. Welcome to the Super Mario Brothers Super Sh Wait a minute. That's that's totally the wrong intro. You guys know where you're at. You found the show. You know who I am. You know what's going on here. Guys, I'm super stoked. Today, I have a super awesome guest. I talk with Alex Hooper, who uh, just burned the panel of judges live on America's Got Talent. He's incredible. He's an amazing comedian. He is uh, hes just a super stand-up guy. We had an awesome conversation. We... <laughs> Uh, the dude just has a lot of great stories to tell and he's, he does so many awesome things. I'm really excited to uh, have him here on the show today. And, uh, we even found out that we were at the same show for Melissa Villasenor, uh, a few months ago, Melissa did a outdoor comedy show at the, uh, baseball diamond studio city. And uh, we were both there, and we had no idea. Eh, small world, huh? So uh, we get into uh, all sorts of cool stuff. Can't wait for you to hear it. I don't really have any ads on this one. I don't, I don't, uh, nobody is sponsoring this show. <laughs> but if you would like to, I will take your money. So please drop into my DMs. On that note, please check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash faux real pod. Nope, it's just faux real. That's right. Yeah, it's just faux real. And, uh, you know, on Patreon, we do all by we, I mean, I because I do all the things for this show, as you are well aware. And I've said it a million times. <laughs> I'm a one man band, baby. So uh, check out the Patreon for all sorts of exclusives and, uh, you know, cool stuff and it's real cheap i think the buy-in uh, i think the i think the low tier is five bucks so yeah check that out and i would also like to point you to i got i put up some new cool stuff some cool links on my new link tree which is uh l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash a my name devlin weiler all right guys uh are you, uh this this conversation with alex is a lot of fun i hope you enjoy it let's get right to it here is my awesome conversation with alex hooper Alex Hooper, thank you so much for joining me here on Faux Real. Uh, it's uh, it's super cool to have you here. I saw both of your performances on AGT, and I mean, I I I agree with uh, with so many people who were leaving comments on your videos. Like I I totally would have given you the golden buzzer. I think you yeah. I think you're the one of the funniest motherfuckers that's ever been on the show. And uh, you're, I mean, you know, you're, you're just, you just say it like it is. You, you, I mean, you know, uh, the panel deserved it and you gave it to them. Kudos. Yeah, thanks. I, I actually thought you were going to go the other way when you're like, I was reading the comments and I got to say, I agree with 90% of those people yeah. that hate your guts. Yeah. <laughs> they are. 
I am a menace to society, apparently, according to a lot of these people. Also agree. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, of course. And what's, I mean, I love it all. I mean, yes, the people, I understand that that show is not necessarily the right place for me to be showcasing my comedy, but that's what makes it so fun is that I push it as far as I possibly can with the producers and the executives to let me get away with this stuff. And they really do allow me to be myself and just showcase a different style of roasting and comedy in general on the show. Yeah, which I think is is brilliant. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I I was watching a bunch of your other videos too, and it's I I love your work, man. I I really do. Um, Thank you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna I'm gonna blast you later. Don't worry. I've got it. Please do. I've got I it ready it. to go. <laughs> yeah, by all means, roast all me right. up, dude. Well, let, let's just let's just go for it. Let's get this out of the way. I mean, you know, because uh, much like your uh, appearance on New Girl, both your face and your comedy is kind of like a kick in the penis. <laughs> I mean, as the host of the Achilles Heel podcast, you think you would have found your own and stopped doing comedy in 2009. Oh! <laughs> if Jeff Ross is the Roastmaster General, then you'd be a private first class as it should really be your first priority to keep your comedy private. <laughs> I'm so glad you did work for this. Listen, I mean, I, I've heard that you're the poster child for pugs. Uh, you even had your pug calendar shown on the Ellen DeGeneres show. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I'll give it to you that I'll give it to you that you're certainly pugnacious, but your comedy is really for the dogs. <laughs> you made your second appearance on AGT this year and the only reason you didn't get booed off stage is because there wasn't anybody in the audience damn straight <laughs> <laughs> that's just facts right there I mean, that, that, one doesn't, that one doesn't hurt me at all like I'm like I was so ready to go back and laugh in that audience's faces and swing my tail all right. over again. And then they weren't even there for me to do it. Ah. <laughs> how, how was that experience? Uh, it, it, I mean, I, I know how it was the first time, but how was the, how was the experience of, of being on the stage and performing without anybody in the seats? By the first time, do you mean like 2018 when I was massively booed by the entire crowd? Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that was a very singular experience that I'll probably never go through anything that harsh again as far as a performance goes. I didn't Um, know how good you were, obviously, you know? Well, I mean, but you know what? That makes it so much better though, doesn't it? It's like, if they weren't this angry at me and they were just kind of just like taking it or just kind of nonchalant about the performance, it wouldn't have gone as viral as it did because that's what it's just me staring them down the entire time and never breaking character and just zinging again and again and again um and then to go back with no audience i mean it was it was rough i mean it was a whole different circumstance i'm just like god this sucks all over again for a completely different reason and i'm so grateful to be on the show but i mean when you watch my first performance of 2020 it it doesn't have that st- 
sting that that first one had in 2018 because there's no audience. And like the jokes are good, the judges get it, but without hearing that massive crowd behind it, it just doesn't seem like I'm doing very much, you know? But I will say that's what led me to develop the act for the, the live shows, the quarterfinal round that I think was far and above my best performance of all three of them on the show. It was really good. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, I, I watched it a couple times today because, it, it, yeah, uh, yeah, it was- It's fun, it's really silliness. You know? it's, it's, that's what, you know what's so funny is like all these people, I get all these angry messages and comments and stuff like that about like, how dare you, you're ruining, do you think it's okay to bully? What are you teaching children? And like literally one of my opening lines in that set is without having an audience, how how would the peasants get mad? I'm literally inviting you to eat out of my hands while yeah. we do, and they still don't get it. Like, it to me, it's just like, I just want to be like, you are fucking morons. Like, this is yeah. why the country is in the state that it is right now, because people like you have no idea what satire is and take everything literally. When clear, I'm wearing a onesie and a fur coat. I'm in a throne, god damn so it. Hot. Like, so hot. How do you, thank you, it was. It was very hot on that stage. But I how do you not understand? Hearing, you know? <laughs> But that's what I said. I watched that. I'm like, how does anyone think this is serious? <laughs> uh, it's too fun. And I think, you know, uh, watching it back, I think Simon did enjoy it the first time. I 100% think, he did. I think he loved it because he 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 was he was making he was making that move. He had that expression like, listen, you guys can kiss my ass. I'm 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 putting him through, and uh, and then you know. <laughs> well, actually, the thing is, he did vote for me in the, in 2018. Yeah. Um, you don't see that in the clips that are most of the clips that are available online because they cut off the actual judging right. section. But the judging section is great in the first one because, like, Howie just goes, "Uh, no," and Mel B goes, "No, he's a bitch." And I wrote, "Takes one to know one," and then she gives me another face, and then Heidi says, "Like, well, I hope whatever aggression, I hope you got your anger out, but no." And then Simon goes, yes, yes, it is 100% a yes from me. And then I found out I'm the only person in the show's history to have a yes from Simon while getting a no from everyone else. Wow. And that, that's a badge of honor that I wear very proudly because the yeah. Simon, Simon is the tastemaker on that show. Right. He is the one that actually makes careers happen. Yep. And, at, you know, he's the one who's built these billion dollar stars. So when he sees something in you, even when nobody else does, I was like, oh, I did something right. You know, something happened, mm -hmm. something good happened here. For sure. Uh, well, I, I will tell you, I am auditioning for the next season. Um, Congrats. Well, don't congratulate me yet. <laughs> no, just, dude, look, just auditioning is a huge deal because so many people are afraid to do it or they think they're not going to make it through, whatever they may be. But my thing is like, dude, you knock on every single door until you find ones that open for you. And then even if you don't know what's behind the door, just go in there and go see for yourself. Because dude, I met three years ago, if you told me that I would have been on America's Got Talent now six total times, three performances, gone viral, had it made, helped make my career what it is, I would have been like, 
I'm sorry, did I change everything I'm doing in comedy? Uh, have I completely gone against everything I believe in? I wouldn't understand how I got here, you know? And that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you're going to go on and do it, are you doing comedy? Yes. I actually have, um, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a tight five. Um, I'm going to do a song and some impressions. I'm, I'm still, well, you got to get it down to two, buddy. <laughs> you got to get it down to a tight two. Well, right. What? Yes. Y yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm going to throw the proverbial spaghetti at the wall and, and see if any of them hit. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I've I've uh, I've had a lot of guests uh, on this show in my previous podcast from AGT. I love talking to performers across the board about, you know, um, their about their artistry and their experience of being on that stage because it it really is the biggest variety stage in all the land. You know, um, yep. and uh, and I I'm a lifelong performer. I get off on it. I I always have, and you know, just being ridiculous and outlandish and uh <laughs> as, speaking my language. as possible just like you do and um yeah i i want to talk to you about this too because again i was i was watching everything you've ever done earlier and uh so besides um besides being a uh, a loud comedian i allowed comedian <laughs> uh, a talented actor and a live comedy performer with uh impeccably outlandish presence you are also a slackline walker. I am. Recently doing so blindfolded. Yeah, that was uh, about, probably about a month, a little over a month ago. Uh, I was I was having a really bad day. Like things just weren't lining up like they were supposed to. And I forget, I'd gotten some sort of bad news and I just was in one of those moods. And I was like, okay, whenever I'm one of those moods, I try to go take it out and just go, like I walk on a slack line. It balances me, it relaxes me. It really keeps my head focused on other things instead of, and really can take me out of a bad mood. It's a meditation practice for me. Um, but that day, I don't know what came over me. Like I just suddenly thought like, I'm feeling really good about this and I'm just gonna try to start walking it blindfolded. And I've tried that a little bit here and there, but never made it more than a few steps. And I don't know what happened. I just relaxed and something clicked and I could see everything around me. I could see the line. I could see the tree on the other side. I could feel the space. And I don't, I literally, it was like three tries and I crossed 50 feet um, without, without taking off the blindfold. It took almost two minutes for me to do it, um, which without wearing a blindfold, I would cross, I would cross that, well, without the blindfold, I could cross that in probably about 25 seconds, like, you know, if I really wanted to. So, I mean, there was definitely, it was a much slower process, but so gratifying. And one of those moments where it's like, there, I, I amazed myself again, how can I keep doing this so I keep growing as a person and a performer? That's incredible. Uh, I mean, that that's really awesome. How long have you been doing that? I mean, um, like three over three years. Like, okay. yeah, I start I started in twenty seventeen, uh, and I've just been doing it ever since. It started like once a week, and now if I can, I try to do it like at least twice a week. Um, it's really, and I'm not trying like I'm not trying to do crazy tricks and things like that. I have tried the high line once, which is when you do it at a very high. Like I was like seventy five feet up between a canyon, and I was wearing a harness and a leash, so like I did 
fall off and like take those whips and like in that moment the first time it happens you literally are just like you just, it's just like because ah! you just see yourself tumbling into this abyss yeah. and then you feel yourself bounce and catch and when i realized i was okay there's this great video where i'm just like okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. And then I'm like fine, you know, after that. But I mean, it really it's just another thing of like I I feel like I face these fears and I stare them head on. And after my performance in 2018, I was like, I don't have to be scared of anything ever again. Like this is a nightmare situation in so many ways. This would break a lot of people, strip them to their core of everything that they've ever thought of themselves as a human being. And I still was able to be like, no, just chalk it up to a learning experience. Nothing will ever be like that again. Use it to make you stronger and go back out there and do it again. And walking on a slack line and especially doing it blindfold is just another one of those things of like, if you can do this, what can't you do? There are no limitations. Absolutely. Bravo to you, man. That's, that's really, that's what a, what a great place to have your mind and spirit focused on. You know what I mean? That's, that's a really good place to be. Um, well, these practices are important, man. I'm sure you know as a performer, like our head is, our, we're always firing in a thousand different directions. Every right. synapse is going, okay, what can I do to create? How can I perform? Where can I go? Who can I entertain? And then yep. just to have something where it's like, this is just me in a park by myself, maybe with a friend or two, but for the most part, it's a very just like, it's, it's, it's a very individual experience, you know? And it really does allow me to just completely dissolve into something else when I'm up there. And a lot of times I'll stay up there. I mean, today I did, the air quality obviously sucks in LA today, you know? I mean, you go out there, it looks like a cigarette smoker's teeth. It's brutal, but yeah. I haven't been outside in five days. So I, like, I, need to, I need to go outside today. I can't do any more apartment exercise. So yeah. I stayed on for an hour today and before the air started really like feeling mm -hmm. shitty and thick but typically that's what i'll do i'll go out there i'll be on the slack line for one to two hours without falling off and then i'll just and then with headphones on or having music playing nearby and you know and then i get off and it's just this i feel reborn in a lot of ways i feel very accomplished and centered that's that's amazing um do you uh i know you did some uh some jokey yoga videos but do you, do you do <laughs> yoga as well for real do you do uh, not usually to be honest meditation yes i mm -hmm. i've done a lot of yoga in the past um now typically i only do it at like music festivals and things like that <laughs> remember those music festivals those were what? a thing we used to go to huh? um but yeah i don't do a lot of yoga um which is funny because i have the pug yoga calendar obviously which is me doing yoga all over la with my pug That's but great. um meditation is every day for me i started about about two years ago and i used to think like okay when i started slacklining i was like cool i don't don't have to meditate now because this is my meditation but then i learned like it is totally different to just sit quietly for 10 to 20 minutes at a time and just listen to yourself breathe and just try to let thoughts kind of enter and release in the same way and that really has helped me so i have i made a few like funny meditation videos to help people get started and they're not meant to like really they are meant to make you laugh and they are meant to relax you but they're not meant to be like a thing you do all the time it's just i think a lot of people could really use meditation um what really got me into it is 
I was listening to all these podcasts, like inspirational podcasts, and every single hugely successful person, they were like, what do you do? And they're always like, well, meditation, one. And it's like, man, everyone just keeps saying it. Everyone. And then I learned that it builds immunity and helps keep you present and allows more thoughts to come in and clear the bullshit out. And suddenly I was just like, why can't I give myself 10 minutes in a day to just shut the fuck up and sit there? And I think, I think honestly, dude, I was scared. You know, I was scared of letting the demons come in and the bad thoughts. And I'm someone who always has to be moving and going at a hundred miles per hour. So to literally sit and pause and just like breathe, I was, I was scared of it. And like anything else, when you're scared of something, I say fucking run into that burning building and grab whatever you need and get the fuck back out of there so you can learn why you're doing it. And, you know, discomfort is how we grow. And that's important. You shouldn't always feel comfortable. Absolutely. Um, I've picked up a lot of my own personal techniques. I, um, I tried TM for a while and I did it. Of course, my, my problem is catch, an eternal catch-22 where, you know, it takes so much focus to, to, to get there and to make sure that I have the time to take myself to that place. And I, sort of fell off, but I do try to, you know, um, take that five to 10 minutes before I go to bed as I'm falling off into dreams and uh, just, you know, my, I know my mind is going to scatter and I let it scatter and I let it spider web and I let it, you know, I, I just, I used to get really upset with myself of, you know, just shut up, mind. Just shut up. <laughs> already. But then I was like, it, I'm going to do it anyway. That's, that's a, it's part of the human condition. It's definitely part of my condition. I need to let myself have those thoughts. I need to let, you know, and that, of course, you know, at the, you know, uh, 2 a.m. On a, on a Tuesday night is when you have your best sketch idea, your best you know, uh, you're, it's when you come up with your best bid and then, oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure and write that down, you know. Um, of course. So it's, you know, I will say, I will say like, but you're right. I mean, one thing, one thing about it, and I don't, I don't know, um, like if your listeners, like if you've talked about this before or anything like that, but one thing about it is like, you're not doing it wrong because thoughts are entering and you start thinking about them. The whole idea is that of course thoughts are going to come in when you're sitting quietly and right. still, of course, you don't just turn off your brain and imagine and just, and then you just sit there, things are going to come in. But what happens is you, they come in and you, and you say, do I need to stay here? Or do I need to just flush you out? And the best thing you can do is just go back to your, if you realize you're thinking too much about external shit, you just go back to deep breaths and then it, it will just slowly remove itself. And then something else will come in, but you don't worry about that stuff. You don't think about it. And, you know, I heard it really said really well um, when Paul McCartney was like studying with this like really famous meditation teacher. And he's like, but what if I come up with a brilliant song while I'm meditating? And the guy was like, and the meditation teacher was like, then go write down the song, Paul. You're a songwriter. Like, yeah. Don't just let that go. But if not, if that's not coming, just stay in it as long as you possibly can. And I mean that for me, 10 minutes is usually fine. 
Sometimes I'll do 20. Last night, I didn't like set an alarm or anything like that. And I just sat there and did it. I was really deep in one. I did 35. And but that's pretty rare for me to go that long. I was also really stoned. So I was just kind of playing with the visuals that were happening in front of me. So I was like, yeah. I was breathing in a weird pattern to kind of give myself these visualizations and hyperventilate and making my bones like tingle, you know, feel that oh, yeah. warm glow all over you. Yeah, like, I love that. <gasps> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like anything, a really good bowel move. Yeah, that's it, dude. Just you know, hold on to the sides and uh, let it shoot. That's right. Let it all out. Yeah. Um, you've been performing since, well, you started stand-up around 2009 officially. March 9th, um, 2009. Awesome. And you've, you've had numerous appearances uh, throughout the country. You've gone on a lot of tours. You're going uh, on a, um, uh, you'll be in Florida a lot, it looks like, next year, I saw on your website. Is that right? I have I have one week I have one weekend right now in at Side Splitters in Tampa. Um, there's like my tour dates are very 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 slowly starting to come back again, um, because that's I mean that's one hard part about I'm on this major TV show that would open me up to so many opportunities of touring, and right now it couldn't be harder yeah, to go out and do you. it. Right. You know, so I'm really looking toward like the deep future. So right now I only have dates. I mean I'm in San Diego this Friday just for one night, um, but for the most part I have dates in like Nebraska in December, Tampa in April, DC next October, not even this next month, but like 15 months away. So things are starting to come back. But man, I just, I miss it so much. Like I love touring. I love being on the road. I love going to new towns, having new experiences, eating whatever their fucking famous food is, meeting people after the shows, and just continually just like, I don't know. There's so much time when you're on the road, you're working for one to two hours a day, whether you're doing one or two shows. And the rest of the time is just yours to exist. I can write, I can take walks, I can exercise, I can go to museums, I can go to a county fair, whatever the hell I want to do. And that time is so valuable to me, knowing that I have something to do that night. That's one thing that's been really hard about quarantine is like, this time has been great. I'm super relaxed and I've been getting stuff done, but I've also have really hard days where I just don't know what the fuck to do with myself. And I don't know how to get this energy of performing out of not performing out of me, you know, and I'm sure you felt the exact same way. We're all there. Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, I think it's all, uh, you know, different versions of the spiral that, that, that uh, we've all been going through since the middle of March, and today I was I was jazzed as hell to to get going with this, and then <laughs> you know, uh, of course, it, something had to happen. You know, I you know what I was blessing in disguise, <laughs> blessing in disguise, because my upstairs neighbor was oh, for hours today was using like a floor sander or something okay. like that, and all I could hear was. And I was, and this happened to me in a Zoom comedy show like two weeks ago where he was doing it. And they literally, I'm, I was hosting the show and they were like, Alex, you got to turn off your mic, dude. I was like, I'm hosting the show. What, like, what do you want oh, from no. me? Um, but like, I mean, that's just, it's, it, it was, you know, he stopped like right before we started doing this. So whether it was on your end or on mine, either way, we're doing it exactly the right moment, you know? Excellent. 
I love it. I love it when a plan comes together finally. <laughs> I always do. The universe tends to unfold as it should. Yeah. Um, I read a lot of personal development bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, I, uh, you've, uh, besides live performances, you also, um, uh, you have a lot of really cool actor credits like the aforementioned New Girl. I did watch the entire episode because why not? <laughs> sure. You know, um, I appreciate funny. that. It was so funny. Oh, was that, was that fun? Was that a good experience for you? It, it was a, it was a blast. I was shooting. I was, I hadn't booked a job in four years when I booked that role. Um, so I was just in this heavy just streak of like going to auditions and just not, and just basically, I hadn't given up, obviously. I'm still going to all of them. But you get to this place where you're like, well, nobody wants me. So why do I, at what point is somebody gonna look at me and go there, that's the guy. And to have that moment, um, where you get cast is one thing, but then you go, you, I started to shoot and they liked me so much on set that day that at the end of the day, they were like, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, whatever you want me to be doing. Yes, and they were like, answer. great. Yep. And, yeah. And the, and the director was like, great. We love you. We want you to come back and do some more. Just kind of like this, you might have some lines, but we might just be throwing you in some different situations. And for me to just be back on set on a show that was not only popular, but also popular, I think for the right reasons, that show is quite funny. The characters are great. Zoe Deschanel has been a crush of mine forever. Mm. And she, and she's a pub person. So we literally, her yes. and I were, shoot, were shooting something together and we just sat on set going, oh, you wanna see more pictures? Here's mine, here's mine, let me see yours. Oh, uh, so and I was just like, I was just sitting with her going like, how am I sitting with Zoe Deschanel just, just gushing about pugs right now? Like that's one of those moments where you just go like, I don't know what I did to get here, but I've made the right moves somehow to put myself in this situation. That's so awesome. Yeah, I've I've uh, um, I've loved her ever since. Uh, was it? Well, like Elf. Elf. Yeah, it had to be Elf. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, she's just, I mean, she's just one of those. She, she's got she's got one of those just uh, faces and her voice and her whole attitude about life, kind of just like I don't give a shit, whatever. Like you know, a lot of people are like it is annoying, and I don't find it attractive at all. And I'm like, well, I do. Hold on now. Uh, yeah, if there's one thing, my it's uh, people. I have a type, and it is doe. It's women that have doe eyes and a bitch face. <laughs> and if you, if I look at you, like you know, like Mila Kunis has it, and Hathaway has it, uh, January Jones has it, Scarlett Johansson oh, yeah. has it, Zoe yeah. Chanel. They're all these very similar. Like they have these great big eyes and just this face that looks like they could cut you at any second. Burning lasers through your nostrils. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like that's what I, I don't want safety i want to know that it, no. in my sleep gotta be an you might just thing. decide to cut out my kidney and take a bite of it and just throw it back in there that's the what keeps blood me going. Just stream down your chin absolutely yeah mm -hmm. uh, yeah yes, yeah. Please. yeah <laughs> i i've i've uh i've watched and listened to everything Mila Kunis has ever done she's uh unbelievable uh, she will be on the show eventually you just wait my friend it's, it's we are we are manifesting it right now that Mila yeah. Kunis will be on this podcast. I promise you that. She'll, we'll get we'll get to that. 
Um, <laughs> hey, and you, you, you might get some Jack Daniels on the side of it. Or is she Jim Beam or Jack Daniels? I can't remember now. Mm. I think it's Jack Daniels. She has those commercials where she's just like right. standing amongst all the barrels and just like, and I'm just like, yeah, but huh, go ahead, pour another one. Uh-huh, yeah, she uh-huh. can stand next to my barrels anytime. Anytime. Uh, <clears throat> anytime. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. Um, yeah. I'm happy to. Achilles heel, right? It's yep. And how long have you been doing that? So I did it for almost a year and a half, uh, about a year and four months. I had like 67 episodes or something like that out. Um, and it was, I was about to take a little break on it anyway, because of all these other external factors, like, you know, like AGT, I was about to record another album. I had all this stuff going on. I was like, you know what? I need to take a little break from this and then come back. Um, and it just so happened it perfectly aligned with quarantine. And I was like doing it in studio. So I was like, I cannot ask people to come sit in a tiny room with me. Um, but because of the, I've had this break from it, I am about to go back. I actually have a meeting tomorrow to figure out the best way to do it through Zoom. I got a new microphone that plugs into my computer. So just like you're doing, you find a way to continue without when, you know, all this is going on. And what the, why I love the, the project so much, why I love the podcast is it is literally about your Achilles heel. So I ask my guests, what is the number one thing in your life that has fucked you up more than anything? This is the thing that has caused you to be who you are. It has shaped you you've had to battle it it has formed who you are as a person because it's always on your mind and let's break it down and talk about it openly and laugh about it my opening line of the podcast is the first thing we discuss is the last thing you want to talk about so let's say you Devlin have horrible anal warts and you cannot ever take your pants off you can't go to sit down no I mean very intuitive I'm wearing a diaper right now Right. I mean, that's all the meditation. Things just yeah. come to me and then I understand. Yeah. And that's why no I always do a diaper. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Obviously. That's I mean, why everything is shoulders up here. Yeah. You don't want to soak a chair. You know what I mean? You can no, sit in this it. Is, this is leather. I mean, it's faux leather, but you know. Still works for me more on the faux real podcast. So it's all faux, right? <laughs> exactly. Bam. So... I do think these are very important conversations and I do love having them because like what I want, what one thing, obviously people like you can see it um, and a lot of people see it, but a lot of other people that see me only on America's Got Talent or like Roast Battle, they just think I'm some kind of prick. They think I'm just this asshole uh, that just wants to spread mean things and it's just not true at all. It's just all fun. And, and but in a delightful way. Exactly. Like it's all, it's all, I think, you know, if you don't own your flaws, your flaws own you. And that's why the podcast goes so well with my personality is because I bring in these amazing guests. Um, You know, we've had comedians and DJs and artists and writers and models and all kinds of incredible people that just want to talk about this thing that should be considered shameful. And I think the more we open ourselves up to have these conversations, I've gotten so many like messages from fans that are like oh I'm so glad to hear this person talk about epilepsy because I have epilepsy and I don't know who to talk about it with I've never heard people just joking about the fact that I can't drive or whatever it may be and so all these things whether it's physical emotional mental spiritual whatever your thing may be that has been blocking you in some way we try to open that up and just find a way to be like it 
it's normal. It's all normal, no matter how weird and horrible you think it is. Every single person you see is battling something. And maybe it's an invisible force or maybe it's as obvious as you don't have a fucking leg, you know, but whatever it is, we need to talk about this stuff and stop trying to hide from it. And I'm so excited. I think I'm going to do my first episode probably in about two to three weeks, my first episode back. And I just can't wait to really just have that therapy again in my life because that, that did become a form of therapy for me. Having, how often, I mean, I mean, you know this, how often do we just look at another person and for an hour and a half and just talk and just let it come. Never this anymore. Is <laughs> this is it. Exactly. And I ask people that. I'm like, I'm like, I asked, I asked friends of like that, that aren't like entertainers and stuff that don't have podcasts. I was like, when was the last time you turned off your phone and sat and looked at someone for 90 minutes and had a real conversation? And you know what most of them will say? I've never done that before. Which is insane to me. This is how we connect. That's not surprising at all. And I, I mean, you know, uh, just even in the before times, um, I, I mean, I, there are a rare few people that I've ever just really sat down and, and had an open, honest uh, conversation with, you know, and just let myself be uh, completely full of candor, which is exactly why I do this show. Because yeah. I like to find out um, who the people really are. And I, and I knew when I, <laughs> I could I mean, I know. hear your dog saying hello in the background. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, this is, this is my chance to really get, really get in, inside a person's brain and, uh, um, you know, not only about their, their, their artistry, but about their spirit. And yeah, and I think I, I think it's a beautiful thing to do. I mean, showing showing vulnerability. Carlton, shut up. Here, you want to see? There. Yeah. There he is. Hi, buddy. There he is. Hey, Carlton. Hey, Carlton. Hi, Carlton. Hi, buddy. Uh, he he does not like me doing podcasts. Um, <laughs> I'm not paying attention to him. If if he was right. interviewing me, he'd be super stoked about it. Um, but I think being showing vulnerabilities is so important to understanding how powerful you are. People think that like, you know, there's this big thing where just like you hold everything in as men and you don't let anything out because that's how you show strength. And that's completely opposite. You show strength by showing that you are a human being who has flaws and who has problems and you have to deal with and that you overcome those things. One of my favorite things people say on like to me on about America's Got Talent is like, how can that guy wear that outfit and talk shit about anybody? It's like, that's the fucking point. Yeah. I have opened myself up to be a goddamn clown. You can annihilate me right now if you want to. I am wearing a skin tight onesie with a nude onesie underneath so you don't see every single thing that's happening on my body right now. Like I couldn't be more ridiculous. And the fact is people still don't, don't realize what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And, but you know what, man, like, here's the thing. Like, I mean, you're an AGT fan, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you are in a rare minority where you are an AGT fan who understands all different types of acts and that everyone kind of has their own place on the show. Whereas 99% of the people that are watching that show and see someone like me, I am a terrifying wild card to no them. Doubt. 
because they have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm being quote unquote rude and ignorant and mean. But you know, it's funny. These people send me these messages like, you're the worst person I've ever met. And then I look at their profile and it's them in front of a Trump flag, you know? And it's just like, I'm like, oh, I would think you guys would be my biggest fans. (laughs) Right? I mean, I... They had, they had a lot of cool acts that I had never seen before. The, um, uh, I mean, I know you did the show before, but other than you, I don't know that I've ever seen any other roasters, not ones that were any good. Yeah, I mean, they had, <laughs> I mean, after. Enough that, I, that they stand out, you know what I mean? Yeah, there was a kid on BGT that did it like years ago named Ned Woodman, and he did really well on the show. He made it like to the finals. And then after me, they had JJ Pantano, that seven-year-old Australian kid, and he got the golden buzzer in Australia doing the exact same thing that I did. And then they brought him here for the champion show, and he made it all the way to the semifinals. And people always go like, this guy's just mean. You want to see what a good roaster is? Look at JJ Pantano. And look, I got nothing against the seven year old. I'm very comfortable with myself. But don't compare my jokes and my stage presence and my charisma to a seven year old. Like that's just like, you know, they're like, he did it well. He would never say anything wrong. And that's what people say. And I'm like, I watched, they're like, Ned Woodman did it right. I'm like, well, he called that host, that, that female host, he called her a dog. So is that the right thing? No, it's just people think because I'm an adult, I can't get away with this shit. But if you're a kid, you should because you don't know any better. You're just being adorable with your dad writing your jokes, you know? And I just think it's all, it's all just so funny to me. And the, the, the fact is, to me, every I, I only watch the show a few times. Like I've watched both of my seasons and little things in between when I have friends on. What I find is that I... I the my favorite acts every single year get voted off because the crowd doesn't understand the complexity of what they are doing. I mean, this season, you look at someone like Malik Dope, the drummer, he's yeah. stepping it up every doing single it. performance, oh, making yeah. it, doing it bigger and better and doing something yeah. that is so original and so cool to watch. And yet, who does he lose to? A singer who was in prison for 37 years, who has a good voice. Does he have an amazing voice no he's got a good voice it's he's a great look he's a great singer but he's not doing what malik dope was doing by any means he's going through because of his story not because of that and those are the things where it's like you know i understand why we have the sob stories i understand that america needs to get behind these people for different reasons but sometimes i think like if we only saw the talent first and you didn't bring in the story part of it until later in the season then maybe some of these people wouldn't get the exposure that they would and other people who i think are maybe more deserving would make it further along in the show because you're going just off what you're seeing on the screen not off the fact that you used to live in your car and suck dick for crack you know what i mean whatever it may be right it's um, you know, I got, I got a lot trouble. of people do just fine doing that. And that's totally okay. But you know, uh, if that was your talent, I'd be all over it. If you, if you came out in a car and then one of the judges came up, I was like, yo, I got five bucks. And you just started sucking his dick. I'd be like golden buzzer right here. Bam. <laughs> Let it all come down. Get it. Yeah. Like, and then wash it all over you. From one golden buzzer to another. I mean, Dude, I, yeah. I got it. I, 
I, I haven't told anybody this. Like, I mean, I told like my uh -oh. Twitter and stuff Excuse like that. Me, but yeah, you're, you're getting exclusive right now. <laughs> I got in trouble with AGT the first week of the quarterfinals because after um, one of the contestants did a sob story, I tweeted before my live performance, I'm gonna get in a car accident, come out in a full body cast, tell the fan, tell the audience I have cancer, and then I won't even perform and I'll just be in the finals. And literally, dude, two minutes later, I get an email from AGT going, Alex, can you take um, that down can right please, now. Can, can you take that down? And I was like, oh, sorry, I, uh, weird, weird mood, bad day, uh, whatever. Um, and they were like, you know, we're not, we're not we're not penalizing you, we're not angry, but you know, it's just like, it's not in great taste. And I was like, you know what? I actually 100% agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. So, eh. but I'm, I'm actually glad that it happened that quickly. Like they were just like, Alex, take that shit down. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, you know, but that's the thing is I just, I can't get behind you because you're a story necessarily. Let's show us America's got talent, not America's had a hard life. <laughs> and right. that's just, you know, I was just talking with my dad earlier about that, and he said that exact same thing. He said, you know, I, I would, um, he, he's, he used to watch it religiously, and then he stopped watching it uh, so much because he just got tired of the stories and the, and the interims and the, and the, and the you know, ceaseless gawk, uh, uh, you know, uh, talking beforehand and through their acts and, you know, and it drives me crazy too how I I understand that that they've got to create such a a picture and a, a certain kind of presentation for what they're putting out, but they really like some of the acts are um, so badly edited. Like uh, there was a, a band I saw a million times on, um, at the Santa Monica Pier, Liliac, I think they're called, like a, okay. or, um, a family act, like metal, just rock the, I mean, yeah, they, they, they showed rock them for hardcore. Like five, they showed them for like 20 seconds this season, right? Exactly. They, and they, yeah. were, they were just, I mean, they were... Uh, rocking everybody's heads off. I thought it was an incredible performance, but they did one of those things where they were, uh, they had the story of their main, uh, their, what they considered their main act, like a good act over Liliac's performance. Right. And I was like, I, I tweeted several angry tweets about that. <laughs> Listen, I've seen I've seen this this band perform I don't know how many times. They nail it every time. I mean, you know, uh, they're they're uh, unbelievably talented family, and that was that was raw. That was cruel. That was. Well, you know what, man? I mean, I'll, I'll, counter, I'll counterpoint to this. The fact that they made it on the show at all is a crazy achievement because I don't know if you know, I don't know how well you know about this stuff, but about every year, about 75,000 people will, uh, will send in a taper audition. I've in line twice. Right. Yeah. So, so about 75,000 people will do that. Of them, about 400 will get to go in front of the judges in a normal year this year they lost a week of auditions because obviously but like in a normal year about 400 about 120 will make it to air in total over the course of the six or seven audition episodes but they say yes to about 300 people 
So there are so many people, and I've had many friends who fit this category, who they've told me personally, I got four yeses, the entire crowd stood up in a standing ovation. They're, the judges are saying, get ready, your life's about to change. And then they never get a phone call again because there's just too many people. They, it's like, it's like they, how they oversell the plane. You know, you're like, what do you mean you're overselling the plane? They're like, well, somebody might not show up. So we got to give ourselves options here. And that's what they do on that show is they say, okay, you were amazing. You were so good. But we have another 15-year-old pop singer who's very similar to you. And honestly, we're going with her because she's a burn victim and she can't show her body and her face yeah. and like, you know, whatever it may be. So, I mean, I've heard that story. I, I, know, I knew three comedians this season who made it through the judges round, who made it through the, uh, the initial audition with yeses and never got seen. And that's just, that, that I feel very fortunate. I'm very grateful to the amount of time that I have been showcased on that, on that, on the show. Because every time I was on, they gave me a full piece. You know, it wasn't just like a piece of my, uh, like, obviously my audition is pieced together in different ways, but they gave me the lead in, they gave me a little bit of a story, they have shots of the, you know. Each time. I got the segment, yeah. And and that's, and that's a huge achievement to be able to just say that I've done. And the fact that they allowed me back to do it again is kind of insane, to be honest, and very, very brave on their part. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that they did because, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed your comedy and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're here. <laughs> I'm here with me today I'm so um and i'm and i'm happy to be dude i love having these conversations because honestly without without live performance right now being so few and far between these podcasts and these zoom shows and all that are what's keeping me going what's keeping me alive right now absolutely have you been doing a lot of uh zoom comedy over the months oh yeah <laughs> lots and lots and i think it's like the thing is like it scratches an itch it's not the same the best way i've heard to compare it is it's methadone to a heroin addict you know it's just like yeah. i will take the fix but i always feel like and i run a zoom show every two weeks my friend sophia and alexandra and i we get great comics um we actually have one this saturday i don't know when this gets released um but we have one on saturday uh preacher lawson's doing it oh, great. um we've had yeah we've had great comics do it i'm really good crowds but no matter what after everyone i just it you close the computer and you just feel like you just masturbated you're like that kind of felt good at the time but i'm kind of ashamed of myself right now right. you know and like you just don't really know how to feel and then i just walk around my apartment by myself just going i'll like look in the mirror and be like good job there, and you're hey. like well i could clean it up but i'll just do it later yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, I literally like, I'm putting on different outfits, looking in the mirror like, oh man, you were so funny. I love that one joke you told. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, I didn't know you were there. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've done a few of them. Um, I've, I, I gotta tell you though, I've, I've had, you know, we were talking about spirals and I've, I've had some pretty deep spirals, um, <laughs> especially while like, doing zooms you know, or just in just, general. Uh, uh, unemployment doesn't do much to, uh, <laughs> you know, help the frowns. 
Dude, I've never been unemployed in my entire life. Like literally since I was 15 years old, I've had a job in some form or another. Even this entire time I've been doing comedy, I've been working at Universal Studios as a ticket seller for 11, over 11 years. And these past six months, I literally haven't worked. And I'm, t I'm trying to treat it like as just like a gift from the universe of saying, well, I'm not going to Universal and at least I'm getting this unemployment money. But overall, I'm just like, bored a lot and i and i hate to say that because i can't you can never complain about god i'm just so relaxed i just wake up and i write my journal then i go slackline in the park and then i like you know there's nothing to complain about except the fact that my entire livelihood was stripped of me within a moment's notice and luckily i had agt stuff to work on i had plenty of time for that and i don't think i would have given that final performance i don't think it would have come together with all those elements the way it did without me having this time but even still i mean you know we just my blinders are like on i'm looking ahead i'm just like the future can it be here now <laughs> yeah for sure oh you got uh, you got your buddy behind you um oh yeah <laughs> Um, you mentioned your, uh, your comedy album, um, a little earlier, Hugs, Drugs, Pugs, which yep. actually went to number one on Amazon, I saw, and number three yeah. on iTunes best-selling comedy albums list. I mean, yeah. that's, that's quite an achievement, man. Thank you. I mean, I was so, I was, I was so proud of that album. It took me like eight and eight. It was, I was eight and a half years into comedy when I recorded it. I recorded it at the Meltdown, which is such an institution right. of LA comedy. Um, I know. I record the show. Oh, uh, really? Up, upstairs in the Nerdist studio. Yeah, that's, that's where the show's origin began. Oh, amazing. Dude, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even a comic book person, but I loved that shop so much because of what it did for me as a, co as a comedian. I started doing the Meltdown show when I was like three years into comedy and Jonah and Kumail just believed in me so much and they gave me so many opportunities. And every time I went in there, I did a completely different set than the one I had done before. And I kept trying to just up myself and prove it. And there was no other place that I wanted to record that first album. And I'm, I'm so proud of those jokes and how it all came together and um, hugs, drugs, pugs, those are the three things that opened my heart and expanded my mind. And I thought like, well, how am I not gonna, you know, pay tribute to that? And just, it kind of just tells you everything that I am in three words. And I was so ready to record my second one, man. April 11th, I had, the, I was going to Pittsburgh with my, with the same label that did the first one. We were flying out. We had our plane tickets booked. The show was almost sold out. The shows were almost sold out already. And, you know, instead, you know, like we said before this podcast, we got to pivot. We got to shift. We got to change with the times. And I can't go, well, I wanted to record an album and now I can't. So what? Then do something else. Figure out another way, you know, and, you know, we can make excuses all day or we can accept whatever's going on in the world and, and play the game. And I think that's the most important to. thing. Yeah, you have to. I mean, now more than ever. And I mean, this show has gone through so many transitions. I, I started there. There the weren't always cardboard boxes behind you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I used to live in them. So it's, it's, definitely, <laughs> it's definitely several steps up. I, I, I praise the Spaghetti Monster every day of my life for being able to have this space and 
being able to say the following sentence, which is, I have my own bathroom, which is one of the most glorious things that a human <laughs> can say in their adult life. I mean, it's... Dude, I hear you. I mean, my, you know, I live with my fiance. We have a one-bedroom one apartment and our literal, our definition of success, this is how we define success, is we just want to have double sinks in our bathroom. That is where, if, if she has a sink and I have a sink, we have, we have made it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I lived in a, uh, in a luxury apartment complex uh, that I had no business living in um, right off the 101 uh, in Hollywood. And I had like a huge... Uh, 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 bathroom counter like it was an entire counter like the size of a of a of a kitchen counter you know the kind that you see in uh you know I don't know Reese Witherspoon's house or something and it was like it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life like I I was so oh and that that shower head Jesus Christ Oh yeah, I'm all about a powerful shower head, man. Oh god, it was a it was a wonder. Um <laughs> That's that's one thing I don't miss about being on the road is I have a very powerful shower and uh when I'm on the road you have no control over that. And sometimes you get to like a really nice hotel and you turn on the water and, and it's just drips. like it's just like an old man just like spitting on you from like a distance and what the get out of here you're still with me right god yeah. dude somehow somehow a phone call came through at that time it oh. just never happens so sorry about that no um but yeah i mean dude i i need a powerful shower like i want to be destroyed by my but Absolutely. i want it to be i want it to take my horrible yeah. skin right off my face it's, I don't want it just to clean me i i want it you know i want to stick it in all the crevices and all the orifices and you know it 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 needs to get me there in every sense of the word you know that's that's yes. what our head is for um man i i really um going back to meltdown like i have i have so many great memories of that place i i just i miss it so much because after i started recording upstairs um then i recorded for a little while downstairs in the nerdist school and then mm -hmm. when it closed the nerdist school moved into the ruby next door so i recorded there for a while and um it, you know that that place had such a unique magic especially uh especially in the you know in the meltdown theater and upstairs and like everybody wanted to record there i never had any problem getting any guest that I asked for because they're like, oh, you record in the Nerdist studio. That's right. You know where Pete Holmes did his show, and I mean any any number of you know every comic that you've ever heard of, and uh, man, it's just ugh. it's the D, it's the DIY element of it, right? Is you're like, well, how is this happening? How is the best comedy in Los Angeles happening in the 
back room of a comic book store on a Wednesday night. I mean, of course, they had things every single night. I'm referring typically to the Meltdown show itself, which was their flagship, which was like, you know, that's, I mean, you had Robin Williams and Jim Gaffigan and Donald Glover. And I mean, I did that, I have done that show on, I have been on lineups where I am so at the bottom of that totem pole that I am buried in the ground that I shouldn't even be seen on the totem that I am with. And the reason I loved it so much is because almost every single time I did the show, because of how new I was as a comic, I was always the bottom of the totem pole. And I looked at that show as you need to step the fuck up right now. You can, these people might not know who you are, but they know that you're on this show with these other people for a reason. So you need to give them everything you've got right now. And I think it allowed me to just kind of lose that fear of like, wow, so I'm going right after Aziz and right before Jesselnik? Well, (laughs) I better figure out how to bring it right now as a comic who's five years in, you know, working with legends. So it's just a matter of like, you know, it really, it taught me so much to be there. And I was always so appreciative uh, of those guys and Emily and the show and the theater in general. But now you're part of that legacy, you know? You're... I was the, the last album to record in there. And there have oh, been some great wow. ones. There have been some, you know, Guy Branham recorded in there. Uh, Hampton Yunt recorded in there. Morgan Murphy did a special in there. But I was the last official one to uh, record. So wow. I'm very glad I got, oh, wow. got it, I got it in there in the nick of time. I saw their absolute final show. Um, and wow. That was, that was really something to behold. Um, in fact, I need to... Uh, I need to go back and pull all of those pictures and, um, you know, uh, make a retrospective or, or something. Dude, I have all, I, I have all 10 of the posters I did from, from the meltdown show. I kept every nice. single one of them. I was like, I'm, there's no way these are, these are original works of art. These are awesome prints. They are on their, sh- you know, I'm on here with people like John Mullaney and, you know, just the biggest, just these huge giant names that I'm on these posters with. I mean, the very first one I did, it's me, Ali Wong, Mark Marin, Sean Donnelly. And I'm talking like I was three years into comedy. I don't really, I barely know who these people are yet, not understanding it all. Obviously, this is Allie was not what she is now. I mean, Mark wasn't what he is now. But I mean, even still, I mean, I look back at those at those posters and I just think like, God, every single person that I got to perform with on here was just doing something brilliant and unique and very much their own style of comedy. That's the thing. I got to see so many styles work out there. People were always doing different things. And it was just, it was a never ending excitement. And I lived right across the street from it. So I was there all the time. I would walk oh, there, so you know? Cool. Yeah. Oh, I miss wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. Legend. I know, now we got all nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Alex, uh, I appreciate you so much. Um, I, I appreciate you as a person. I love your comedy. Um, please keep doing what you do. Um, there's a million other things that we could talk about. I want to, uh, if you'll come back to the show, I'd, I'd love to have sure. a return appearance. And um because I want to talk about Crave too. Um, well, let's let's just talk about Crave a little bit before you sure, go. Sure. No. Um, oh, I'm happy to talk about it. You you have 
you created from the ground up and it's it's become you know one of LA's uh, most uh, you know treasured performance I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I grew up throwing parties. When I was in college, we threw, always threw house parties and things like that. And when I moved to LA and started doing comedy, um, I started doing a show on the roof of my house and it was totally free and just a hundred people would show up. We built a stage on the roof and they would just drink and smoke joints and we would just have great comedians up there. And I mean, again, dude, legendary comedians were up there. Um, Kyle Kinane, Eric Andre, Melissa Villasenor, Brody Stevens. I mean, I can go on and on and on about the people that performed on the roof of my house. And it was just a special thing for these people that were here. These, these They weren't recorded. There was no tickets. You just showed up to this happening. And people just had a blast. And when I got shut down by the police and the fire department, uh, after a year of doing it, we, made it, we got 10 shows out of it. There's nothing to be ashamed of by any means. Um, we... I was like, how do I grow this thing more? Somebody took me to an after hours party at like a Burning Man warehouse and they had this beautiful stage and I was so into like going out all night and dancing till the break of dawn and I was like, man, what if you combined comedy first and give everybody in a good mood they're laughing they're have their they're just having a great time together they're opening themselves up they're drinking a little bit and then afterwards we just turn it into an epic fucking party we're gonna have djs we're gonna have fire spinners we're gonna have live painters we're gonna have like all kinds of weird we would have um you know sometimes we had a cartoonist or a photographer doing special kinds of photography um we brought in all these kind of weird variety type acts one time we just had sign spinners we those guys that are out on the street with like at, at insurance companies we brought the two of those guys in that were just amazing pros at it and they just in all day and it was people loved it and the whole thing was just like i'm joining my worlds here i have this comedy world and i have this festival world and how do i make them more united in an event and not just have it be a party but have it really be like a themed event that people would show up to and get excited they can party all night they can meet new friends they can do drugs in a place where they're not going to be crucified for it no one's going to walk up to someone tripping the fuck out and be like what's wrong with you dude are you having a problem man no they're going to let you can have your moment or you know they're going to fuck with you a little whatever it may be but either way I was, I just wanted to create a place where people could truly lose themselves and forget reality and come be whatever the person they wanted to be is because that's what festivals were teaching me at the time. They were showing me like, Hey, you don't need to be, you can be anything you want. You don't need to be afraid of who you are. You want to put on a tail and a unitard and run around in a sparkly outfit with a little wand. Fuck it. Do it. Who cares? Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so people, people, I love throwing it. It took so much work because every single one of them, what people don't realize that never got to go, every single one of them was a one act. I wrote a one act play that surrounded the stand up comedy. So every one of them had a theme. And it, instead of me hosting the show, I would be a character and I'd have other actors. And we literally, if you put it together without the stand up comedy, you would just watch an entire one act play happen from opening to close and they I tried to make them all like have an M. Night Shyamalan style twist and shit like that I had things like dropping on people from the ceiling different like all kinds of crazy props and it took so much work to get every single one where it needed to be because I not only had to book a comedy show and a dance party and get all of these things together but then on top of that we had to learn a play 
And I had to write a play every single time. And what it taught me is, is that performance can be anything you want it to be. And that if you commit to it, the audience will go on with these outlandish ideas. And you don't need to just put yourself into a category of saying like, this is what comedy is and this is what a party is or something like that. It, either one can be anything you want it to be. And most of the shows were amazing. We always sold, we always had great crowds. We always sold a good amount of tickets. We always had fun stories and incredible comedians doing it um and so many of my heroes getting to perform i remember on the second show we got dimitri martin and i was just like i literally was like what the fuck man this is already we got dimitri and then like how did this performers love to perform no matter no matter where they get to do it i mean and they would show up and they'd be like, okay, where the fuck am I? <laughs> what is this place? Right. Um, because literally- That's what are, all my guests here say. Yeah, what is this place, man? Is, they were, they were spaces built by Burning Man people and their most creative, ingenuitive people in the world are people that go to these festivals and create worlds that otherwise don't exist. So people, like audience members would show up to a crave and they would just be like, where, what fucking planet am I on right now? And I'm like, oh, it hasn't even started yet. Just wait till this party really starts going. And then there'd be like a hundred, there'd be like anywhere from like 50 to 200 people at the comedy show each time. But then over the course of the night, people would just keep showing up. And by three in the morning, you got four or 500 people packing this place out, just getting blasted, partying, dancing, doing whatever they wanted to do. As long as it was always in good spirit. We never, I never had to kick anybody out of one once because everyone understood that you were there to have fun and be respectful and make friends and memories. And I really, really miss doing them. Um, um, I had taken a break before the pandemic anyway, because they took, took so much out of me and they were so, I was getting so busy with other things, but I crave is one of those things where no matter what, I will always keep it around and I will just find ways to make it bigger and better and have it be its own thing. Um, I always said like, as it grows, I grow, as I grow, it grows. And I feel that way about everything that I do. It's just, it should all, you don't separate yourself. You take parts of yourself and it all builds into this bigger package. And the more you think about your audience and your customer that you're looking for, the more you will cater to them and not think about, is this good for me? You think, is this good for the show or the party or the the person that's paying money to come and see it? Is this benefiting them? And the more you think like that, you can't, you just can't lose after a while. That's so incredible. What, what, a, Thanks, man. what, what an astounding thing that, that you helped create, that you helped birth, you know, uh, to bring such a, an awesome thing into the world. That's, that's pretty amazing. And it was 100% illegal, by the way. It was super, <laughs> it course. was super illegal of every course. single time to the point where like every once in a while, like it would get really scared with like, hey, Alex, uh, cops are here. You got to go deal with this shit. And I would just, I'd be like rolling dick to be two in the morning. I'd be like, well, my part of the show's over. I already performed and stuff. I'm just right. partying now. And they'd be like, all right, go talk to these cops. And I'd be like, is there a problem, officer? With my eyes just like, <laughs> you know. 
And they're just like, are people selling alcohol in there? I'd be like, no, nah, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's past time. No, of course not. This is not a legal establishment. What do you mean? You know, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, you know, but to me, it's like you risk and you reward and people that came to those shows and the people that got to do those shows knew they were part of something special. And I think if nothing else, if you can leave a concert, a comedy show, anything, feeling like you are fulfilled uh, and that you had a great experience, then our work here is done and we did what we were supposed to do. That's what it's all about. Always. Uh, I had the great pleasure of uh, seeing Melissa Villasenor uh, uh, at the uh, baseball diamond, just like- There! Yeah, what? You were there? I was there! Were you? I was there! Oh my God, yeah, that's so funny. Wait, the one that she did like three months ago? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. When the sprinklers went off at the Hollywood. end of her set, yes, that ended her Dude. set. I was yeah, I, I was I was there. She actually she she called me out in the middle of the show, and she actually talked about the rooftop for a second. She was like, "You got to bring that back, Alex. That was the time to do it." And it was, dude. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. She Wasn't had done like exactly an hour. She was just, she's so great. She's so personable. She's so funny. She's yep. so silly. And then when those sprinklers went off, it was like, God just gave you the light. Like, you know, like that was your key. And she had, she ran out of there. Her backpack was, yep. was getting soaked. I was like, ah. under, uh, under her arms. Yeah, that was. Oh, that's, but, that's so, but she, I love that we're both there. She got full hour in. Every, every moment of it was hilarious. She was just as delightful as you would expect her to be. Like, that was my first time, you know, seeing her perform live and- Oh, wow. Uh, I, I already live in North Hollywood. So like, it was a less than a two minute trip for me. And uh, I mean, there was, there was no way I, I was gonna miss it, so. Um, you know what I love about that though so much is that because you and I, I don't think we've ever actually met in person, correct me if I'm wrong about that, no, so. but we have probably been in the same place at the same time, times. countless times, yeah. you know. I've seen you perform at Meltdown and just like, because I saw so many incredible performers, you know, on that stage. I, I saw, I don't, I don't know how many shows I saw there at the theater um, over the years, so. Um, it's, it's totally possible. Will you please yeah. uh, send Melissa a text and uh, ask her to be on the show? Because I uh, I tried to get her on the show and um, no and, and no response. <laughs> you know, she's a bona fide superstar at this busy point. Yeah, like, she's a busy gal, and she started uh, her own podcast too. I forgot what mm -hmm. it's, what it's called already, but um, um, yeah, she's a delight. She's an absolute. Yeah, delight. I really uh, love her. Thank you so much for sharing all that with me. I, I really appreciate it, Alex. Um, My pleasure, dude. Thanks for having me on here. This was so this was so fun to talk about, and especially with someone who actually like is an AGT fan and stuff like that that really understands that shit. But also, thanks for bringing up Crave because I don't get to talk about that much anymore. And it really, especially in this day and age when there's no feasible way of doing it, uh, it's really nice to think about like the work that we did and the parties that we threw and just the epic nights where I would literally get there at 3 p.m. to set up and I wouldn't leave till 8 a.m. the next morning. And wow. it was just, I mean, talk about experiences. <laughs> I saw some shit go down. Go down. If, when I come back, I'll tell you some, some exclusive Crave stories that are a little too hot for TV in a lot of ways. <laughs> You've got my number, text me. Um, you know I do. That, that's, 
that's that's incredible, man. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I know people can find you at your uh, official website, alexcomedy.com. Uh, hoopercomedy, hoopercomedy.com. Hoopercomedy.com. And yep. where else can they find you across social media? Super easy. I'm at Hooper Hair Puff. So my last name, Hooper Hair Puff. Uh, and honestly, if you just Google me, I think my website and my, and my social medias are the very first things that come up. I'm pretty sure if you Google me, um, or maybe that's just if I Google me because I'm one of those losers that Googles himself every once in a while. Um, but yeah, I'm super easy to find and, you know, just reach out. I try to respond to any messages and things like that. I'm always happy to have people, um, ask questions and just, you know, tell me whatever they want to see from me. I'm, I'm open. I'm an open book guys. Come get me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, You're very welcome. He's <laughs> got his tongue hanging out. He's so comfy. It's, it's so long he can't put it away. So <laughs> I have sleep, no problem with you. <sighs> <sighs> but yes, Devlin, thank you very much for having me. This was an absolute blast. And hopefully we will get to see each other in the real world sooner rather than later. Someday. Yep. Someday. Have a great night, man. Take care. See you, brother. Talk to you soon. Remember, you can follow me, as always, across all the places at Devlin Wilder. That's D-E-V-L-I-N-W-I-L-D-E-R. And Faux Real at Faux Real Pod. That's F-A-U-X-R-E-A-L-P-O-D. That's it for this one. See you on the next one.